0: Today on The Matt Wall Show, in our latest investigation, we've revealed internal documents from Fox showing just how deep the cultural rot at that company goes. When it comes to corporate wokeism, Fox is one of the top offenders, and uh, we'll talk about that today. Also, a top official with Space Force admits that they prioritize inclusiveness and tolerance over actual merit and qualification. Plus, Rolling Stone publishes its hit piece on me, and it's one of my favorite hit pieces of all time. And the youth are finally rebelling against the Pride agenda. This is a great sign for our country and the future. We'll talk about all that. And more today on The Matt Walsh Show. Living a healthy lifestyle isn't always easy, especially when you're always on the go. You need simple, manageable routines to make sure that you're getting the proper nutrition every day, which is why I'm a huge fan of Balance of Nature. Balance of Nature fruits and veggies are a great way to make sure you're getting essential nutritional ingredients every single day. Their capsules are packed with 100% whole food that you can take at any time, Balance of Nature uses a cold vacuum process that preserves the natural phytonutrients in whole fruits and vegetables and encapsulates them for easy consumption. Balance of Nature sent a bunch of their products down to the studio for my team to try. We all love them. You can make fruits and vegetables a part of your daily diet. Your body will thank you. Right now, Balance of Nature is offering 35% off with your first order as preferred customer. Go to balanceofnature.com and use promo code Walsh for 35% off your first preferred order. order. That's balanceofnature.com, promo code Walsh. For 120 straight weeks, Fox News was the most watched cable news network in primetime. Its main competitors, MSNBC and CNN, never came close. In the key advertising demographic, people between the ages of 25 and 54, Fox News was the undisputed leader for a long time. But last week, after nearly two months of declining ratings following the ouster of Tucker Carlson, Fox News' streak came to a very abrupt and unceremonious end. On Friday, Fox News recorded its worst performance in primetime in the network's history. Just 109,000 people between the ages of 25 and 54, again, the key demographic, tuned into Tucker Carlson's old 8 p.m. time slot to watch the replacement show, which is called Fox News Tonight. How bad is that? Well, to put it in context, Fox News Tonight was ranked 41st out of all cable news shows on Friday. This is the time slot that used to be routinely ranked number one out of all shows on cable. Now there are like YouTube streams of people playing with Legos that get more viewers than Fox does in the key demo in primetime. And keep in mind also, Fox News attracted those 109,000 viewers on a really busy news night. This was after the announcement of Donald Trump's indictment. Not many people cared what Fox News anchors had to say about one of the biggest news stories in uh, American political history. Now, whatever you make of that, it's clear that the implosion of Fox News is well underway, and it's showing no signs of stopping. This week, as Tucker discussed on his uh, Twitter show yesterday, Fox News executives publicly condemned a veteran producer who wrote a banner that was critical of Joe Biden. Now, five years ago, the banner wouldn't have attracted any attention whatsoever, but under the current leadership of Fox News, it led to the producer leaving the network within 48 hours. Listen. Beneath those
1: videos at the bottom of the screen, Fox's banner read this way, quote, Wannabe dictator speaks at the White House after having his political rival arrested. Those words were up for less than 30 seconds, but the effect was immediate. Inside Fox, the women who run the network panicked. First, they scolded the producer who put the banner on the screen. Less than 24 hours after that, he resigned. He'd been at Fox for more than a decade. He was considered one of the most capable people in the building. He offered to stay for the customary two weeks, but Fox told him to clear out his desk and
0: leave immediately. Now, that banner is the most interesting thing that's happened in that time slot for about two months, which of course means that Fox News cracks down on it. What's happening at Fox, though, feels familiar. The network is, is on the same trajectory that we saw with Bud Light, uh, with Target. Fox News executives, for some reason, are apparently destroying their own product. And now they've obviously lost the trust of their customer base. They didn't just fire their top-performing host in the single most important hour in television without providing any justification for it. Now they're punishing producers, too. And they've also been, even before that, relentlessly promoting transgenderism across all their platforms. They've made Caitlyn Jenner one of their top contributors. In every article about Dylan Mulvaney or any other trans activist, they diligently make sure to respect the preferred pronouns. Fox News' parent company, Fox Corporation, Uh, is even sponsoring a pride parade. All of this is driving Fox News' viewers away. It's hard not to wonder what's happening at Fox News and whether there's any chance the company, which was once trusted by millions of people, can ever recover. Well, yesterday my team and I broke a story on Twitter based on internal documents we obtained from Fox News employees revealing the shocking extent to which Fox Corp is celebrating Pride Month, Um, I encourage you to to read the entire thread on Twitter to get all the facts on the story. I must warn you, though, what we found included very sexually explicit content. I don't have to tell you that I have a, a lot to say about that, which I'm going to get into right now. And what we found illustrates how deep the rot goes and how unsalvageable the whole organization truly is. These are documents that are produced by Fox Corporation. They're presented to Fox News employees when they log into their employee portal. And the documents show that the leadership of Fox Corporation apparently despises their viewers and everything they stand for. I mean, this is a company that abhors not only traditional values, but also basic human decency, it would seem. Am I overstating things? Well, let's see. In honor of Pride Month, Fox Corporation is now encouraging employees of Fox News to read literature about glory holes. And you heard that right. These are Literal holes in the wall where men anonymously receive oral sex. Fox's executives want their employees to learn all about them. Now, if you went up to a to a coworker and, and wherever you work, and you started talking in graphic detail or any detail at all about glory holes, you get hit with a sexual harassment lawsuit. But this is what Fox is telling its employees to read. And that's not the only pornographic topic that, that Fox is pushing on its workers. We'll get more into that in just a moment. Uh, In addition to the porn, Fox is also encouraging everyone at the company to donate to organizations that administer sterilizing hormones to young people, including homeless youth. This is something that on air, Fox News occasionally pretends is a bad thing, but internally, Fox Corp is promoting it with enthusiasm. Pull back the curtain, and there's really not much daylight between the Fox boardroom and the faculty lounge at UC Berkeley. And actually, in some respects, Fox is even worse than Berkeley. Because Fox has gone high tech with its uh, DEI agenda, just in case any employees at the network stepped out of line, because you always have to worry about that. Of course, the documents we've obtained also show that Fox leadership experimented with an artificial intelligence program that pushes, quote, diversity, equity, and inclusion in the workplace. Now, this AI, with the rather uh, dystopian name Escalera, advertises that it can track the progress of organizations towards certain DEI goals. That's its main function. Yesterday, we uploaded the documents outlining all of this and everything else we're talking about on my Twitter feed. And you can check them out there if you haven't already. Again, the materials come from Fox's employee portal, which Fox News employees access from there. Uh, Here's a screenshot of one of the documents. We'll put it up on the screen so you can see it. And you can see that Fox Corp encourages, again, its employees to donate to a variety of organizations and says it will even help match funds to these groups. And what are these groups? let's go through a couple of them. According to Fox, employees should donate to the Trevor Project because it's supposedly devoted to to helping LGBTQ young people ages 13 to 24. How exactly does the Trevor Project help these youths? Well, as the National Review reported recently, they run a chat room that that allows 13-year-olds to connect with LGBTQ adults to talk about, among other things, sexually explicit topics. As the National Review put it, it's a, quote, Pandora's box of depravity. Reportedly, there's no age requirement or verification whatsoever. In many cases, these adults uh, tell children in the chat rooms how to obtain medication, uh, products like chest binders, without alerting their parents. One chat from an adult, which children could see, began with the adult talking about his urge to masturbate. And it goes on from there in graphic detail. In another chat hosted by Trevor Project, an adult starts talking about doggy style, quote unquote, and a user under the age of 18 Responds saying he also wants to try it. Now, none of this is new information, by the way. It's been reported for months. Fox wants their employees to support the Trevor Project anyway. They're also telling employees to donate to the Ali Forney Center. That's a group that says that it takes care of homeless young people. Um, What does that mean, taking care of them? Well, on their Twitter account, the Ali Forney Center boasts about injecting these young people with cross-sex hormones, hormones that will sterilize them. They say they provide, quote, life-saving services like hormone replacement therapy for our young people. So they're taking at-risk youth, and they appear to admit that they're flooding their bodies with irreversible chemicals. This is, this is all right out in the open. Fox supports it anyway. As if to erase any doubt about that, Fox also encourages donations to the, uh, L- to the Los Angeles LGBT Center, which openly brags about giving hormones to children. And that organization even uploaded a video of a mother, quote, surprising her trans daughter with first dose of hormones. Now, YouTube took that video down for terms of service violations, but a screenshot is still on Twitter, which, again, you can find on my Twitter page. By itself, all of this is alarming, to say the least. Again, Fox is matching employee donations to these far-left groups. You know, um, and you have to ask, why exactly are Fox executives taking the position that their employees should support the chemical sterilization of minors. We obtained other documents from the Fox employee portal, and uh, after reviewing reviewing those documents, the answer is obvious, to me anyway, personally, that Fox is run by a bunch of highly dedicated, godless perverts. There's really no other way to describe this. They want to impose their sexual fantasies on other people, whether it's children or their own employees. And we know that because Fox's executives recommend several books to their employees to read. One of the books is called Fairest, and it's by Meredith Taliesin. Um, here's a, here's a quote from the book early on. Quote, I'm sorry, but what's a glory hole, I asked. The chuckles in the room gave themselves, uh, aimed themselves at me. Gavin leaned forward so I could see him. In the half second before he spoke, I noticed that he was beautiful. The glory hole is an opening drilled into the side of a restroom, he said. Like we were reading out of a dictionary. And then he gives more graphic descriptions of what the glory hole does. Uh, this is, I mean, I, I can't even read most of what this book says, or at least I won't read it. This is a book that Fox executives tell their employees will quote, expand their perspective. The author goes on to elaborate in ways that, again, I will not read aloud, but it's all on Twitter if you'd like to read it for yourself for whatever reason. Now, in case you're tempted to think that Fox executives recommended uh, this book by mistake, not sure how that would happen. Uh, You should know that they also tell their employees to read a novel called Red, White, and Royal Blue. And it's about a fictional gay relationship between the Prince of Wales and the president's son. And it starts off with this dialogue, which can best be described as barely literate, but this is what it says. Listen, Alex tells tells her, royal weddings are trash. The princes who have royal weddings are trash. The imperialism that allows princes to exist at all is trash. It's trash turtles all the way down. Is this your TED Talk, June asks? You do realize America is a genocidal empire too, right? Yes, June, but at least we have the decency to not keep the monarchy around, Alex says, throwing a pistachio at her. Now, why does Fox encourage his employees to read this horribly written dialogue about how America is a genocidal empire? It's hard to say. The book doesn't linger on that topic very long. Very quickly, it also devolves into, once again, gay erotica. Quote, Henry gets a grip on Alex's hips and pulls him close, so Alex is properly straddling his lap, and he kisses hard now, And it gets much worse from there. Again, not anything I want to read out loud. By the way, Fox also recommends a book for its employees to read to their children. And this is an illustrated book starring a unicorn, which is clearly intended to be a symbol for being gay or trans or non-binary or whatever else. Fox also tells employees to watch videos of activists, including a TED Talk in which an activist explains that undergoing a medically unnecessary double mastectomy was somehow a sign of strength. Watch.
2: But it's this type of structuring that has to be reframed in order to let love in. My body never betrayed me, and my body was never wrong. It's this it's this restrictive, binary thinking on gender that said that I didn't exist. But when we met, she loved me for exactly how I showed up. She would trace her fingers along the numb, keloid scars left by my top surgery, scars that run from the middle of my chest all the way out to my outer torso. She said that these were reminders of my strength and everything that I went through and nothing for me to be ashamed of. So sprinting towards her hand in marriage was the queerest thing that I could do.
0: What we're seeing here is a top down effort by Fox executives to ensure that radical gender ideology and all of its deranged excesses is dominant at every level in the company. But of course, not every Fox employee wants to go along with this. And that might be why last year Fox experimented with a solution to uh, whip those employees in line. It's an AI platform called Escalera, which tracks employees' commitment to the cult of DEI. Here's how uh, VentureBeat describes Escalera. Quote, Escalera creates AI-based inclusion index to measure a better workplace. Escalera today unveiled the Inclusion Index, a new system for organizing companies that encourages and quantifies inclusive culture. Using organizational analytics, the Inclusion Index is aimed at real-time measurements of a company's diversity and inclusion efforts. Now, if you check the Escalera website and you do some reading on what services, quote unquote, this AI performs, I mean, it's really creepy stuff. Escalera advertises that it pulls in data from a variety of sources, including uh, company emails, payroll system. It generates a peer comfort index and a diversity index based in part on how often employees, quote, practice microaffirmations. And microaffirmations, I assume, are the opposite of microaggressions. And it appears that Fox is all about them, very concerned about this. Escalera produces data that guides the leaders in the company to telling them which departments aren't inclusive enough. The system is supposed to guide hiring, terminations, raises, everything. Now, what's the end result of all this? What, What happens to a news organization when the executives promote radical gender ideology and perverted reading materials? What happens when they bring in a woke AI to monitor everybody? Well, you get the current state of Fox. It's a company where many of the employees hate Fox News viewers. Here's the Instagram page of one influential Fox News employee, uh, just to give one example. And he has uh, pronouns in his bio, of course, as you would expect. Now, in one post, this employee calls conservatives hicks for complaining about drag queens who target kids. In another post, he defends the anti-Catholic hate group Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence. Quote, Catholics wonder why we have an order of nuns to push back on this ridiculous garbage he wrote. Now, to be clear, this this Fox News employee is defending a group that openly mocks Catholics, putting on, you know, uh, perverted and and blasphemous displays like this in public. Watch. there are a bunch more posts uh, that that make it clear that this employee has contempt for Fox News viewers, to put it mildly. It's not worth going through all of them, but there's a clear connection to these posts and the content that Fox News viewers see. Some of his posts are about his his work on the Fox News website. He says that he was, quote, so happy that Fox News got to use the image he made after Joe Biden won the presidency, for example. He's very happy about that. Now, this is all very bad. Um, And the question is, where do we go from here? Like, What happens next? Well, in the few hours after we first posted our investigation, several prominent conservatives, as expected, stayed silent and refused to amplify it, more than several, many. Um, these are people who are terrified of losing the opportunity to appear on Fox for a couple of minutes. This is the, uh, this is the, the, the blackmail. This is, this is how many conservatives are held hostage uh, in effect because they're terrified that they won't be able to go on uh, Fox and promote their next book or their podcast or whatever. They'd rather lose their integrity than lose that. But several major figures did speak out uh, to their great credit. Utah Senator Mike Lee, for example, wrote, quote, this kind of deliberate alienation of its own audience might not end well for Fox News, but for the fact that there is no other large cable news company in America that is widely known as conservative or even right of center, this account could prove devastating. Scott Adams wrote simply, my brain is exploding. James Lindsay observed that, quote, uh, ESG slash CEI likely is behind both this and Tucker's removal at Fox." Fox is now openly known to be a part of the ESG cartel. Blaze host Steve Deese wrote, uh, quote, just read this thread, complete and total vile filth from Fox News. Well put. Other commentators, including people who who stand to get disinvited from Fox permanently for speaking out, uh, did also speak out as well. Jason Whitlock, a frequent guest on Fox, publicly thanked us for the investigation. Benny Johnson wrote, quote, this is insane. You need to read this. Fox News is a fifth column, a Trojan horse in the city walls. Robbie Starbuck, another regular on Fox, tweeted, quote, I will not appear on a Fox News show until they drop their attacks on Tucker and fire the person responsible for this vile memo. And Chaya Reichick, who's the founder of Lives of TikTok, wrote, quote, I visited Fox headquarters a few times on one occasion and noticed a bunch of screensavers with the words Fox Pride in rainbow colors. I remember thinking it was very strange. It all makes sense now. Fox needs to get their act together. All these people and more are at some, you know, at some significant personal cost are responding to our investigation. They're willing to call out a wrong when they saw it, regardless of whether it impacted them professionally, which is exactly what we need. Credit to them for that. And now we need many more to speak out. Every conservative um, is quick to criticize corporate wokeism and for good reason, but Fox can't be given a pass. I mean, quite the opposite. So the question is, what do Fox News executives think about all of this? Do they object to their parent company recommending books about pornographic topics to their employees? Fox News audience deserves to know. After I posted yesterday's tweet thread on our investigation last night, we reached out to Fox News executives about this uh, to get some kind of response. We still haven't heard back. So far, Fox doesn't seem to think that its viewers deserve any kind of explanation whatsoever. That may be even more revealing, frankly, than what we uncovered, the fact that they're not saying anything about it. What, What explains this? As we said on Twitter, maybe it's because Fox doesn't really care what its viewers think. Fox, like many big tech platforms and major corporations, is primarily owned by enormous institutional investors, particularly BlackRock and Vanguard. These massive funds consolidate the wealth of millions of Americans and then use their combined power to pursue a radical agenda that most of those Americans oppose. That's what's going on here. And those organizations, those institutions, it would seem, are Fox's real customers. And they're getting exactly what they want. Now let's get to our five headlines. The CEO of Innovation Refunds at GetRefunds.com has been on TV explaining how they've helped so many small businesses with the ERC tax refund. Uh, They've completed thousands of returns for different kinds of businesses, including over $700 million for construction companies and over $200 million in restaurants, bars, and hotels. Innovation Refunds has hundreds of five-star Trustpilot and Google reviews, reviews, and it's a Certified with the Better Business Bureau. In just eight minutes, you can easily start the process on GetRefunds.com. You can be on your way to receiving up to $26,000 per employee. The ERC tax credit is not a loan. It's a refund of your already paid taxes designed to let the business owner direct the refund money into anything the business needs to grow. It's money that you can use to improve your business however you see fit. So go to GetRefunds.com to start the process. There's no upfront charge. They don't get paid unless you get paid. Innovation Refunds has already helped clients claim over $5 billion in payroll tax refunds through the ERC, and they may be able to help your business too. Go to GetRefunds.com or download the app from the App Store today. That's GetRefunds.com. Uh, I should say, by the way, not all of the reactions to our Fox investigation have been positive, as you might expect. So for one example, um, an account with 12,000 followers called Bad Empanada, for whatever reason, quote tweeted my thread and wrote, quote, if you're going to commit suicide, you might as well take Matt Walsh with you, please. And that was up for, I don't know, a few minutes before it was taken down. I got 118 likes. In those few minutes, 118 likes on, on uh, people liking the idea of like a suicidal person killing me, uh, you know, uh, uh, pleading for a murder, suicide. 118, you know, it's, I, it's, I think we got to pump those numbers up a little bit. A little disappointed it was only 118. But these kinds of tweets are, are good. And by the way, that, that account has now been suspended, which is something that pre-Musk era would, would not have happened. Uh, is If you were on the left, you could call for the murder of people on the right all the, just all the time. And there'd be no consequence at all. Um, but these kinds of tweets are good because they they ensure that you will never forget that these people literally want you dead. And so when I talk about that, when you hear conservatives say, "Oh, they want us dead," it's like it's not hyperbole. They they really actually do. And this is also not a Twitter is not real life thing. that well, they're just saying that. But no, no, no. This is this this actually what they want. Like if somebody really did it, they would be thrilled. Uh, and it's it's. It's not a fun thing to think about, but it is something we should always remember, that that's that's where we are now in the culture. That's when we talk about a culture war. uh, That word is quite apt. All right. Speaking of the culture war, Daily Wire has this report. United States Space Force Lieutenant General Deanna M. Burt admitted during a recent Department of Defense LGBTQ plus pride event that she would allow access to gender affirming care to take priority over qualifications when assigning officers. Bert referenced several states that have passed laws banning transgender surgeries and, in some cases, puberty blockers and cross-sex hormones for minors, and said that while she would normally consider job performance and qualifications before selecting officers for certain jobs, she had to also consider whether her troops and their families would feel safe in those assignments. Um, so this is one of those things where we're not—we already know this is going on, but it is still pretty shocking to hear it said out loud openly. Uh, Let's listen to it.
1: Transformational cultural change requires leadership from the top. And we do not have time to wait. Since January of this year, more than 400 anti-LGBTQ plus laws have been introduced at the state level. That number is rising and demonstrates a trend that could be dangerous for service members, their families, and the readiness of the force as a whole. When I look at potential candidates, say for Squadron Command, I strive to match the right person to the right job. I consider their job performance and relevant experience first. However, I also look at their personal circumstances and their family is also an important factor. It's a good match for a job does not feel safe being themselves and performing at their highest potential at a given location. Or if their family could be denied critical health care due to the laws in that state. I am compelled to consider a different candidate and perhaps less qualified.
0: Uh, in some ways, this is uh, this is actually not surprising, especially from Space Force, given that like what is Space Force? What do they what do they do exactly? What, what exactly is Space Force doing? Now, if you didn't know any better, and I don't know if you woke up like imagine you woke up from a, a, a 40-year coma, and you were one of the first things they told you for some reason is that uh, we have a space force now and you would Im- Im- immediately in your mind, you'd conjure all these images of like star Wars and you'd think, Oh, we're space. We have a space force. That means we're out in outer space and we're fighting aliens and stuff. Um, and then you'd be very disappointed when you found out that, Oh no, that's not what space force does at all. They just actually there, they stay on earth and they enforce diversity quotas. That's what space force does. Uh, I'm not sure what else they do. What else does Space Force do? And what do we need them for that the Air Force or one of the other military branches isn't already doing? But of course, all the other military branches, uh, this this has become their primary focus is diversity. And now they are directly telling us that they will put Uh, diversity and LGBTQ tolerance and all the rest of it above qualifications. So a more qualified candidate will be tossed to the side for the sake of DEI. And this is the kind of thing that we as conservatives have been saying for years, this is going on, and they always insisted, oh, that's ridiculous. No, this is not. Just because you're focusing on diversity doesn't mean that you have to uh, downplay or minimize you know, merits or quality, we we can have it all, we can have it all, so we we can prioritize diversity and we can prioritize uh, qualifications and merit. That was always bogus. Of course, that's bogus. Of course, it's one or the other. When it comes to what is your top concern in hiring and promoting, um, you can't have two equally important concerns that contradict one another. Because either, either you're going for the most qualified person for the job, who can get the job done, or you're going for the most diverse applicants. It really can't be both. Now, and when we say diverse applicants, that's just, of course, that's a code for non-white males. That's all that means. Um, now, you, now, every time we say that, uh, you'll someone on the left will object to, so, well, you're saying that. You're saying that only white males can be qualified, or there couldn't be a, a black person or a woman who's qualified. No, but if you if you are if if the qualification you're looking for is that someone can do the job, and then it it turns out that the most qualified person is is black, or the, the most qualified person is quote unquote diverse, as in a non-white male, then fine. But you don't need to take that into consideration. Let the chips fall where they may hire the most qualified people and if that means that you end up with an institution or organization that's very quote unquote diverse then fine if it means you end up with an institution that uh, that that's 99% white male then fine uh, that's the only if you that, that's the only sane common sense way to approach this and any other way ultimately leads to this now, last week, uh, moving on, I think I, I think it was last week. I mentioned an email that we got from Rolling Stone, where they were asking me for comment on a hit piece that they were getting ready to publish uh, about me and some other conservatives. And I declined to participate in my own hit piece, as much as I uh, was, you know, thankful for the offer, it was a very generous offer, but I declined to participate. I did say that I would. Give them a comment if they could, if the Rolling Stone could first define the word woman. So that was the deal that I offered. Define the word woman. I'll give you a comment. Uh, They elected not to do that. The hit piece has finally been released. And I have to say, of all the hit pieces that have been published, uh, this one has to be my favorite. Like, this is great. Uh, So I'm going to read a little bit of this. A few minutes into the documentary, What is a Woman? Matt Walsh is seen striding into the woods with a fishing rod, his plaid shirt, vest, and close-cropped beard, giving off lumberjack dad energy. Well, let's come out here to think, he intones as he casts his line into the water. Nature seems to always tell the truth, even when we don't want to hear it. He then asks himself a series of rhetorical, seemingly joking questions about gender and identity. Is there a son trapped in my daughter's body? If so, how do I get him out? Are any of my kids who they claim to be? So begins that film, which premiered in June 2022, and features Walsh peppering a series of healthcare providers, politicians, and LGBTQ activists with questions intended to expose what he refers to as the insane ideological cult of gender ideology. Walsh travels the world asking people to define the word woman uh, and so on and so forth It ends with Walsh posing the question to his wife Who defines the term as an adult human female Then hands him a pickle jar to open And the article goes into detail About you know, the origin story It says that I quote Lack the star power of my boss Ben Shapiro But then it says this Which is true uh, That changed however with What is a Woman In early January 2022 A few months prior to the film's debut Walsh had a little more than 767,000 followers on Twitter By January 2023 he had reached 1.24 million Over the past month alone, Walsh has gained more than 100,000 followers He now has over 2 million. The film did tremendous damage in terms of helping to, quote, amplify anti-trans ideology, making it mainstream, providing it to a bigger audience, says R.G. Cravens, research uh, analyst at the Southern Poverty Law Center. It took advantage of the underlying transphobia that exists in the country. It also helped legitimize Walsh as a political authority, leading to an invitation for him to testify in front of the Tennessee House Committee regarding a bill banning gender-affirming care for minors. Uh, Then it goes into the success of the film. I mean, I'm just just reading through this and I was waiting to get to the part, you know, usually in a hit piece, you get to the part where it's like, okay, there's the hit. Uh, And the entire thing is just about how the film was massively successful and influential, uh, painting me as one of the leaders of the conservative movement. And that's how they decided to attack me. And I have to say, it's really awful stuff. It's so embarrassing. Please Media, don't don't make any more articles like this. It really hurts my feelings. I'm a shy person. I don't like this kind of attention. And especially when you're when you write an entire article about my successes, I just please stop doing that. It really, I'm begging you, don't no more no more articles like this. I, I I'm I'm throwing up the white flag. I surrender. And, of course, you notice the one thing they don't do in the article is uh, even try to deal with any of the arguments or the points. So, of course, they call it transphobic and, they, and everything else. It's bigoted. It's a, um, but at no point do they say, well, Walsh makes this claim, which is wrong because of this. Or the movie you know, presents this argument and here's why it's wrong. And you think if you're going to write like a 5,000-word hit piece that maybe you'd make some time for that? In fact, that, should be, that should, be the, that's, should be the headline. You should start with that. Just dismantle the movie piece by piece, especially if you are acknowledging that it's uh, influential, successful, very, according to them, quote, damaging, damaging to their agenda, which it is. Then why not? Like, why hasn't Rolling Stone done that? You know, why haven't why haven't they why isn't why haven't any of these corporate media outlets done? it? Just put put out the definitive takedown of what is a woman and bit by bit rip it to shreds. No one has done that. No one has done it literally and not just corporate media. Nobody on the left has done this. They've had a year and they haven't been able to do it because they know they can't. Um, which is why, up until recently, they decided to just ignore it. And uh, now they can't even do that anymore. So this is what they're left with. All right. A couple other things. We missed a few shows. So I missed, uh, the, there's some stories that I missed. A, a couple points I wanted to make about this one. Uh, and you, you no doubt saw, we're not going to put the picture up on it. I mean, you've already seen this picture. And even if you hadn't, I wouldn't put it up anyway. But the, uh, the image of the trans activist... Uh, a male at the white house for the pride celebration topless the male you know took off his shirt at the white house flashed his fake breasts Um, a couple days later karen jean uh, uh, pair at the white house condemned this display of the trans activists we have that clip let's play uh, karen jean pair
1: having received the statement that uh, the white house believes that was inappropriate
2: disrespectful is there going to be a greater effort in the future to communicate a code of conduct for white house guests look we've as you mentioned the statement uh that we put out you heard from us earlier today uh, the the behavior was simply unacceptable uh we've been very clear about that it was unfair to the hundreds of attendees who were there to celebrate their families uh, so you know we're going to continue to be clear on that and uh that type of behavior is, uh, as I said, unacceptable. It's not appropriate. It's disrespectful. And let's not, uh, it, it really does not reflect the event that we hosted uh, to celebrate the LGBTQ plus families. Uh, again, hundreds of families who were here uh, to celebrate uh, their community and who are here in attendance. So um, look, individuals in the video uh, certainly will not be invited to future events. And uh, this is has not occurred before, right? This is not, this was not, a normal thing that has happened under this administration. Uh, but we've been very clear about how, uh, how we saw this particular uh, behavior.
0: Just uh, terrible transphobia there, first of all. You're telling me a trans activist isn't allowed to get naked on the White House lawn. That is, uh, I thought we moved past this kind of bigotry as a nation. I thought we were better than that. I thought we were better than that as a country. I thought we all understood that trans people are, you know, are, are allowed to do literally anything they want all the time, anywhere even at the White House. Didn't we, that, that was, that's, didn't we understand? But we all understand that if, if you, if you uh, tell a trans person that they can't do anything, that it is, it's a genocide. You are genociding them if you do that. At least that's usually the attitude. Uh, and in this case, the Biden administration had to pretend briefly to have some common sense for a change. Operative word, of course, being pretend. Uh, though I, I must admit that my favorite thing in that clip and the reason I wanted to play it was just at the end there where Karen jean Pear stipulates that uh, this has not occurred before. What she said, this is not a normal thing under this administration. So you know things are bad when you have to clarify that. You know it's not a good sign when you actually have to clarify that you don't usually allow shirtless transgenders to run around outside the White House. Like when you have to tell people that we don't, we don't it's not part of our normal policy. But I think there are, there are two important points here that I think a lot of people missed about this whole thing. Um, aside from the fact that the Biden administration is a traveling circus, a freak show, you know, we know all of that. And, but there's two other points. Uh, and the first is that, as we covered, trans activists are accustomed to being given free reign to do whatever they want. So there's a sense of entitlement there. And this trans activist just like, it didn't even, it really didn't occur to him that he wouldn't, that he shouldn't do that. Because he's used to operating in a society, uh, being in the most privileged group of, of Americans that have ever existed as a trans person. There's no one more, no one more privileged that's ever, there's no ca- category of person more privileged than a trans identifying person in the year 2023 in modern America. Uh, and he's, he's used to it. He's used to operating in the world that way. And so it just, you figure, well, of course I got to do this because I, I want to do it. So that's one thing you see. And the other thing you see, and this is the most important point, is that this is what pride is all about, okay? There is no family-friendly, wholesome version of pride. Because if there was, you'd think that's what you would see at the White House. At the White House, you're going to see what would be the most sanitized and the most, quote-unquote, if if it's possible to have a family-friendly version of pride, that's what the White House would give you. And yet, even there you've got a shirtless trans dude running around. And I should tell you that pride is inherently at its core, not a wholesome family-friendly thing. It is aggressively sexual and degenerate at its core. Uh, that's the, the primary takeaway here. Here's something encouraging, uh, yet more evidence that um, Pride Month is not going how the left plan, planned. Um, you know, they're, been a lot of stories of companies that are pulling back from the pride bonanza. We've talked about some of that. Of course, we know Bud Light and Target. Uh, Other companies seem to have very much toned down their pride celebrations. There was a report a few days ago that Starbucks had banned pride decorations from their stores. And they now, the company then came out and said, that's not true. So you can trust who you want on that one. Um, But the pride movement is losing ground culturally. And there is perhaps no better evidence than this. Here's a a news report about how some students at a school are responding to uh, the pride efforts at that school.
2: Plays of intolerance and homophobia are unacceptable. This type of intolerant rhetoric starts in the home. Parents angry at town hall over intolerance at Marshall Simons Middle School. Kids were asked to wear rainbow clothes in honor of Pride Spirit Day. But some organized a counter protest wearing red, white and blue or black. The principal sharing a statement to families that Pride posters were ripped down, stickers ripped up, some students chanted USA are my pronouns, and students showing Pride were intimidated. It was an unruly disruption, in fact, that was organized ahead of time. While some parents were upset, others say it was overblown.
1: Some of the kids threw the stickers on the ground. But, you know, I can only speak for my daughter. She just, she didn't want to wear that to school. It's not that she wanted to hurt anybody's feelings.
2: She says her daughter felt coerced to participate in the Pride event and was offended by some of the messages, like this quote from Tennessee Williams.
1: Human heart cannot be straight. It is curves and wines." And my daughter just kind of said, you know, Mom, that's, that's offensive to, to me, who I am straight. And
0: then there's also this video out of a school in California where apparently uh, a teacher tried to play some kind of Pride video. This is at a math class. A teacher tried to play some kind of Pride video during the math class because, you know, it's obviously really relevant to math. And you can hear how the students reacted to it. Listen.
2: Stop. Stop. Why are you showing this the kids? Hey, I'll warn you guys now.
1: If you're going to be inappropriate, I will have supervision down and give all of you a Saturday school for next year. So knock it off.
2: Okay.
0: This is extremely encouraging. Maybe of everything else that's happened, and uh, and I think we've we've we are gaining ground culturally, and there's a, there's real evidence of that. Uh, in fact, there was another report recently that social conservatism is ascendant right now. Uh, more people identify as social conservative than have in years. So just, like, things like that are good signs. But this is probably the best sign at all when, of all when you see this. And this is these are not the only videos like this. Of kids in school reacting to this pride propaganda, trans ideology this way, just like with mockery. That, that's a sign of at least that some of the kids, some the kids are all right, some of them anyway. Because this is, you know, I, I, think, I think back to when I was in middle school or high school. And if we had a teacher try to play a pride video for us, it's exactly how we would have responded to it. Just by laughing at it which is the correct response. This is how our kids should be raised to respond to this kind of propaganda this way. Respond to it dismissively and with mockery. But then the other thing that we take from this, and this is really important, uh, and and this is maybe one of the great advantages that we have right now. The disadvantage is that the left owns all the institutions, almost all the positions of power, major disadvantage there. They also own the education system, so they're able to try to indoctrinate kids, which is a terrible thing, we fight back against that. But the one advantage that comes with that is that now all of the adults in positions of authority are pushing this stuff. They're pushing gay pride, LGBT, pride rainbows, trans ideology, transgenderism. The adults are all pushing it, which makes it uncool. Like it's not, it's not a cool thing. Now it may have been years ago that the pride movement was seen as rebellious, like kind of a cultural insurgency. And that gave it some a a certain cool factor for some young people at the time, but that's that's gone now. I mean, when you're a math teacher, when you're like middle-aged, the middle-aged woman teaching you math in tenth grade or whatever is pushing this. It's not cool anymore. If you really have a rebellious spirit, you know, if you want to rebel, then that means rejecting all that. And I think that that's uh, that's something that we can that's an advantage we have that we should we should be harnessing to our advantage. And we're seeing that happen now. Let's get to the comment section.
2: It It
0: takes a special kind of company to want to partner with my show. You know, I say a lot of things that make a lot of people angry, and this tends to scare off advertisers. I will admit that's why I'm so grateful for for, uh, partners like Pure Talk who stand behind me and my show, no matter the consequences they might face. Pure Talk shares my values, which is why uh, we've made them the official cell phone wireless partner of The Daily Wire. That's not the only reason. PureTalk offers the most dependable 5G network in the U.S. I use it myself. Their plans are top tier, but at a fraction of the cost of AT&T, Verizon, or T-Mobile, you get unlimited talk, text, and unlimited data with a mobile hotspot for just $55 a month. You vote how you spend your money, so stop supporting woke wireless companies that don't support you. Instead, go to puretalk.com Walsh. You'll get great coverage, and you'll save while you're doing it. When you go to puretalk.com Walsh, you can uh, save an additional 50% off your first month because they actually value you. Imagine that. That's puretalk.com Walsh. Pure Talk. Wireless for Americans by Americans. All right. So I'm uh, taking a break from momentarily from some of the political stuff, pulling some of these comments from a video we posted on YouTube uh, during the time off where I'm giving some dad advice, just some, you know, assuming my role as Internet dad. And those are always fun videos. Here are some responses to that. Uh, F.B. Jones said, I would add to the first letter advice. Teach your kids futility. Throwing tantrums is, like Matt said, a natural part of developing social skills. By not giving in to your kids, not coddling them when they cry out because they didn't get their way, you teach them that you aren't always going to get what, uh, what you want. This is a lesson sorely lacking within the youngest generations now. It's the type of thing that leads directly to kids on college campuses protesting someone speaking because they think they don't like them or demanding safe spaces. There's an excellent book on this topic, Hold On to Your Kids, by uh, Gabor, uh, Gabor Mate, I think is how you pronounce it, M-A-T-E, recommended it, uh, to all parents and aspiring uh, parents even recommended to people who want to analyze their own childhoods. Also the coddling of the American mind by Jonathan Haidt. Yeah. I've mentioned, hold on to your kids before. And I think I've mentioned it and said that it's the, the only parenting book I've ever read in my life. And interestingly enough, I read it before I was even a parent. It was recommended to me and I read it. And at the time I read it, as you say, from the perspective of like looking back on my own childhood, um, and that is one, it's been a long time since I read it, but that is one I would, I would endorse that recommendation. And, and you're, of course, exactly right. This, it's, like a, it's a cliche to say this now, but it's also true that a, a lot of what we're seeing on college campuses and, I mean, I say among the young generation, really all generations of Americans at this point nearly, uh, you're seeing the, partially the, the fruits of um, parenting that did not involve the word no. I mean, there's a, there's a real power in the word no, and people, people need to hear it. I mean, kids need to hear it. So it's actually when your kid asks for something and you're able to say no. I mean, I, I just don't understand. There are parents who they never want to say no to their kids. And they're, they're what are you afraid of? First of all, you, you, it's like you, you tell your four-year-old no. You're afraid you're gonna, he's going to beat you up. What, what are you afraid? Or he's going to hate you forever because he said a no to him one time? Not only am I not afraid to tell my kids no, uh, and I tell them no all the time, because they're, kids ask for a thing. They ask for a hundred things a day. And so there's a lot of opportunities there to say no. Daddy, can I have a snack? Nope. You can't. Well, can I have a snack in t- 10 minutes? No, you just can't have them. That's it. Why? Because, because you can't. And for me, not only am I not afraid to tell my kids no, but it's, it's, you know, I see it as an opportunity. I'm happy for an opportunity. There's another opportunity to teach them an important lesson which is sometimes you just get a note. You want to do something and you can't, okay? And there might even be times when you want to do something and you can't, and you don't even really understand why you can't, but you still can't, okay? And you have to follow those rules because not only are there rules that you have to follow, but also it's it's not my job to make sure that you agree with all the rules. I don't have to constantly explain them to you. You you simply you have to do as you're told. Respect your elders. Respect me as a position of authority. These are really important lessons, uh, and if children are not taught them, then it does. I mean, it does immense psychological damage, and they become they become non functioning adults. They become adults who cannot function in the world. They cannot deal with any kind of rejection. They can't deal with encountering anything they don't agree with or don't like. They they fall apart. Because they never got that essential training as kids. Let's see. Danny Pope says, as a father of three, consistency is the biggest part. If you say something, you have to follow through. Everything you tell your children should be consistent. Don't cave in. Don't change the rules. Um, Also, remind them that you love them anyway. Yes, more very good advice there. Uh, Melissa says, two comments about toddlers from a mom of eight. If If they're tired, sick, or hungry... Um, you're not going to be able to do anything about their behavior. Prevention is key. Be vigilant about nap times and meal times. If those needs aren't the problem, if they're just wanting their own way, then require a calm face, voice, and body before they can talk to you. If their wants are reasonable and expressed calmly, give it to them. If they're not, say no and don't negotiate. Um, most of all, stay calm. Yeah, that is also, an, because there's, there's the other side of this too, which is why you don't want to cave to your child when they're having a temper tantrum. Uh, at the same time, like screaming at them is not going to be the right approach uh, for a number of reasons. And, and one of them is that is that you, you, you are trying to teach your child how to control their emotions. And if you are screaming, control your emotions and screaming this at them, then you're sort of sending the wrong message. You know, you're showing that you can't control your own emotions at the same time. Um, and that's also an important thing. Another comment says Matt unknowingly outlines gentle parenting, which is incredible. A plus. No, this is not. I'm not. I'm not outlining. I mean, you can call it whatever you want, but this is another problem that we have as parents now, because there are a million parenting books out there that people read, I guess, and uh, each book has its own like strategy that we put a certain label on. Oh, well, I'm I'm this kind of parent, or I'm that kind of parent, or I I employ this parenting strategy. How about you just? You you do what you figure out what actually works, and what's going and all your children or if you have multiple children they're all going to be different they're different human beings so the exact same strategy might not work for each one, and but you figure out what that is and when I say works it doesn't just mean what works to shut them up and make your life easier, because we already know what works for that the best what works for that is um, give them all the electronic devices give them a phone give them a video game video games, put them in front of a TV and that's what you know that's what works to just shut them up, and make your life easier. But that's not what I mean when I say what works. But when I say what works, it's it's what's going to work uh, towards helping them to become good, well-adjusted, functioning people. That's what I mean by works. And it's going to be slightly different for each kid. So you figure that out, you do it. And that's, that's what kind of parent I am. The do-what-works parent. So if, we, if we got to put a label on it, that's the label I would choose. In a world filled with uncertainties, it's crucial to be ready for whatever comes your way. Whether it's a natural disaster, a sudden emergency, or unforeseen circumstances, having a reliable food storage system can provide you with peace of mind and the assurance that you and your loved ones will be well taken care of. Right now, My Patriot Supply is knocking $200 off their popular three-month emergency food kit to help you start growing your supply today. Go to preparewithwalsh.com and grab this special price before it ends. Your three-month emergency food kit provides over 2,000 calories each day, for optimal strength and energy in essential situations, you can enjoy a wide variety of My Patriot Supply of food from buttermilk pancakes and chicken alfredo to rice pudding. Their meals have you covered for every part of your day. And the best part is each meal is actually delicious. So don't wait for disaster to strike before taking action. Invest in your safety and well being by securing your food storage today. Go to preparewithwalsh.com and save $200 on each kit. That your family will need in an emergency. Go to preparewithwalsh.com right now. That's preparewithwalsh.com. As you may know, we've been in an ongoing battle with one of the biggest social media platforms out there. Last month, I was demonetized on YouTube, and Candace Owens and uh, Michael Knowles were both suspended for seven days. Even Dr. Jordan B. Peterson was uh, given a channel warning. Most of these so-called violations stemmed from our coverage of the transgender debate. Now, being expected to adhere to vague, arbitrary, constantly changing rules has become increasingly frustrating, to say the least. These rules contradict everything we stand for. However, we will not stop speaking the truth and we will not allow the left to restrict us from reaching the audience that needs to hear this debate the most. As our CEO, Jeremy Borden recently tweeted, quote, if platforms like YouTube believe in free speech, then they must change these vague and capricious policies and their arbitrary enforcement. In the meantime, we'll keep fighting and speaking the truth wherever we can. You know, it's become glaringly obvious that uh, we cannot rely on many third-party sites to support us. Daily Wire Plus, then, is the best platform for you to find content that is free from all of Big Tech's vague guidelines. Uh, You get it all here, free and uncensored. So if you believe in our work and in fighting for the ability to debate some of the biggest cultural issues facing us today, then now is the time to join us. What are you waiting for? Sign up today, and you'll get 25% off your Daily Wire Plus membership if you go to dailywire.com slash subscribe and join the fight today. Now let's get to our daily cancellation. If there's one thing the absolute worst elements of our society depend on, maybe more than anything else, it's that the majority of sane people have a lot going on in their lives. You know, they have jobs, families, hobbies. They can't keep track of every big scandal they hear about on television and uh, follow it for years to figure out how it turned out. They don't have the time to do that, even if they wanted to. And that's a boon in particular to the modern media, because they know that they can invent whatever lies they want in order to whip millions of people into a frenzy. By the time the truth comes out, most people will have moved on with their lives. They'll have already voted in whatever election was coming up. They certainly won't demand mass firings of all the editors and reporters who lied to them. Won't even remember their names. And if you doubt that, try to recall, just as an example, who exactly told you that Michael Brown was a good kid who had his hands up yelling, don't shoot, when a white supremacist police officer in Ferguson, Missouri, shot him for no reason. Can you name any news anchor or journalist specifically who, who, who said that? Of course you can. I mean, they all did, but like, what's one particular one? Uh, it's impossible to single someone out because the entirety of the corporate media was telling the same lie in unison for six months. And then after all that time, and after a wave of deadly riots, the Obama DOJ was forced to admit that actually... This good kid was not executed in the middle of the street for no reason. And, oh, yeah, he didn't have his hands up in surrender either. In reality, he had charge of the police officer assaulting him and trying to take his gun. And he did that after he roughed up a store owner and stole some some, uh, cigars. Did any of that extra context matter, though? To this day, college kids still gather in the street yelling, hands up, don't shoot, in honor of Michael Brown. It's not just BLM enforcers in Antifa who say that. A lot of normal, everyday people have the same totally inaccurate view of what happened. What's uh, unspoken here, what what no one dares to say in the media regardless of partisan affiliation, is who the actual victims of these charades are. Now on the right, you'll occasionally hear people talk about Michael Brown and his crimes and how he wasn't really a victim, but the name Darren Wilson is usually ignored in those conversations. He's the police officer who happens to be white, who spotted Michael Brown walking in the middle of the street nearly a decade ago. He's the cop Michael Brown started punching without any provocation. How's Darren Wilson doing these days? No one seems to know or care. His lawyer said that he had to go into hiding. He could never be a police officer again. There aren't many recent updates on Darren Wilson's life on the internet these days. He's just disappeared. His life was destroyed. And that was that. The term scapegoat uh, comes from the ancient Hebrew practice of casting an actual literal goat out into the wilderness as a symbol of the sins of the people and casting out the sins. We are... are, um, you know, laying all the sins upon this animal, casting it out. It's an old religious practice that's still carried out today. Except in our culture, we find random white people like Darren Wilson to be exiled or destroyed as atonement for white sins specifically. Now, Oftentimes the scapegoat is vindicated by the facts later on, but it doesn't really matter because the specific facts were never important to the mob and the people demanding this person's head. It doesn't matter what they did. Or what they didn't do, it matters what they represent. Maybe you recall this story from a few years back. In the late afternoon, um, in late afternoon, several years ago, I think this was back in 2018. uh, Two black men walked into a Starbucks in Philadelphia, and they asked to use the bathroom, but the staff told them that the bathroom was for customers only, and that's a pretty common policy, especially in Philadelphia because you don't want junkies shooting up in your bathroom. I mean, that's why they have these, that's why they lock the bathrooms. That's why they say you have to be a customer to use the bathroom. But the two men didn't buy anything. They just sat down and refused to make a purchase. After that went on for a while, and uh, you know, one of the staff members came up to them, told them they had to make a purchase or leave. Again, it's a reasonable request, because Starbucks is not a homeless shelter. Okay, It's not, a, it's not just a lounge You know, to go hang out in. But the men refused to take either option. So the Starbucks worker called the police. And eventually the police arrived and they did exactly what they're supposed to do. They removed the trespassers. Watch. Don't, don't get no fight with them.
1: Don't get no fight with them. Are yeah, you what did they get called for?
2: Because there are two black guys sitting here meeting me? Yes, I didn't Well, what did they do? What did they do? Did someone tell me what they did? They didn't do anything. I saw the entire thing. They didn't. What did the they do? And the woman says for main customer. They didn't do anything. They didn't do
0: anything. Who I am. There's a guy in that clip who keeps asking, "What did they do?" Which, of course, helped the whole incident to go viral, and it went massively viral at the time. After all, you know, if a random guy in the viral video doesn't understand something, then it must be outrageous. But it really wasn't that hard to understand. These two men walked on a private property. They refused to buy anything, and when they were asked to leave, they refused. It's called trespassing, otherwise known as a crime. But when there's a moral panic underway, laws don't apply anymore, apparently. Uh, and that all really depends on your skin color. So social media was full of posts proclaiming that this was proof that white supremacy is alive and well in the United States. One of the most viral video, one of the most viral tweets about this episode, which got more than 100,000 likes, read this way. Quote, America is a place where a black man has a greater chance of being arrested for going to Starbucks than a white man who commits treason in front of the entire world. Protesters became, began screaming about racism in the Starbucks store where this all went down as they were flooding into the store. And this went on for days
2: whole lot of racism, a whole lot of crap. A whole lot of racism, a whole lot of crap. Starbucks coffee is anti-black. Starbucks coffee is anti-black. Now,
0: instead of standing up to this insanity, as expected, you know, Starbucks uh well, as expected they would not stand up to it. I mean, Starbucks CEO Kevin Johnson Closed all of the company's stores in the U.S. and Canada, like all the stores because of this, for racial bias training. He also declared that bathrooms and Starbucks henceforth would be open to anyone, paying customers or not. Junkies can sit on the toilet and shoot up all they want. Kevin Johnson later went on CNBC to brag about how well he handled the situation. uh, And in the kiss of death, Jim Cramer praised him for it. Watch.
1: Talk about crisis. Talk about the way you handle it. Because I think when we look back in the textbooks, it's going to be the way you have to handle something that is antithetical to everything you believe
0: in. Well, first of all, Jim, you know, you you got to say that when I saw the video of the the two gentlemen who were arrested in our store, it was heartbreaking. But I knew at that moment that, uh, you know, as the CEO of the company, I'm accountable and we've got to show up. I've got to show up. And so getting to Philadelphia, being on the ground, and and talking to everyone that I could talk to and learn from and and understand why this happened, how this could happen, and then take action to ensure that it never happens again. Now, we're proud of the actions we've taken. You know, we closed our stores uh, for the afternoon on May 29th. We did uh, the first round of training every month. We're continuing to drop new training modules to, to our stores. And it has made us a better company. It has allowed us to actually elevate the customer experience in our stores.
1: I I have to say, from the point of view of seeing a lot of CEOs address an issue,
0: you got in front of it. Obviously, if if Jim Cramer is praising something, it's going to collapse very quickly. And Starbucks' response to this whole episode, which Jim Cramer loved, did just that. About a month after this incident, Starbucks decided to fire an employee named Shannon Phillips. Who is Shannon Phillips? Well, she was a regional manager in charge of 13 Starbucks locations in and around Philadelphia. She was not the store manager in charge of the location where this incident happened. But Shannon Phillips was fired anyway. Why? Well, here's what Shannon Phillips alleged in her lawsuit against Starbucks. She says that the company, quote, took steps to punish white employees who had not been involved in the arrest, but who worked in and around the city of Philadelphia in an effort to convince the community that it had properly responded to the incident. So Starbucks just looked for a white person to fire, is what they did. Phillips said that Starbucks told her to, to punish a white employee for PR purposes, uh, you know, for just made-up reasons. And when Phillips refused, they fired her. They kept the black employee who ran the store at the center of this incident. Like, the actual store manager was black. And they kept him, but they can the regional manager. Now, as you may have heard, Phillips just won a $25 million wrongful termination lawsuit against Starbucks. She proved that they discriminated against her because she's a white person who was offered as a sacrificial victim, just like Darren Wilson Um, and just like so many others. In her case, she was vindicated. She got some restitution, but that's rarely how these things play out. And by the way, just to put a bow on this whole farce, last year, Starbucks reversed its open-door bathroom policy. According to the Philadelphia Inquirer, quote, Starbucks is modifying its open-bathroom policy that allows anyone to use the restroom at its stores. Employees now have the option to close bathrooms if there are safety concerns. In other words, actually, Starbucks still doesn't want junkies shooting up in their bathrooms. You know, they allowed it for a few years um, in order to virtue signal and then they realized that no, this is actually terrible. We don't, this is why we don't want this. Maybe the manager who called the cops five years ago was right after all. Who would have thought? That case is notable because it's so rare. You almost never see vindication for these sacrificial lambs in any of these cases. Certainly you don't see restitution you know, you don't see legal vindication anyway. And you almost never see laws against racism applying to actual racists, you know, indiscriminately in this way. Instead, you see what's happening to Daniel Penny, who's the good Samaritan who restrained a violent lunatic on the New York subway. We finally heard his full st- uh, his full side of the story a few days ago, which we played on the show at the time. Uh, now, keep in mind, Daniel Penny is, is taking a major risk by speaking out. Most defense attorneys tell their clients, and I don't know if this happened with Daniel Penny, but... I would assume it did, tell their clients to stay silent and plead the fifth. Um, that's because even if you're innocent, it's easy to slip up and say something that a prosecutor can use in court to make the case that you're guilty. So it tells us a lot that Daniel Penny, like Kyle Rittenhouse, is disregarding those risks. He knows, what, you know, he, he knows what happened. He knows the truth. He was listening to music on his headphones, minding his own business, when Jordan Neely, a vagrant with dozens of arrests, including one for punching a senior citizen, actually a couple of uh, senior citizen assaults, began doing exactly what you would expect of a vagrant to punch senior citizens. He was threatening to kill passengers. He was saying that he, was, he wasn't afraid to go to jail. He wasn't afraid to die. Penny, a Marine, then restrained Neely with the help of another passenger, making sure he could breathe. And that's when Neely, who, according to his family, was uh, taking mind-altering synthetic drugs to treat depression, died. It's clear now, as if it wasn't clear already, that Penny was not only in the right, but in fact, acting heroically. And we also know that much of what was originally claimed about the case, especially that Penny choked Neely for 15 minutes, was a lie. The actual incident went on for just a few minutes, like five minutes. But in spite of all those facts, which aren't even in dispute, a grand jury just this week indicted Daniel Penny. He becomes yet another in a long line of scapegoats who happen to share the same skin color. At a certain point, you have to take a step back and and recognize that the specifics of all these incidents again, don't matter to the mob. No one cares that Michael Brown never said hands up, don't shoot. No one cares that the two black men in the Starbucks were trespassing. No one cares that Jordan Neely was threatening to kill people. Um, All that matters is that Darren Wilson, Shannon Phillips, and Daniel Penny have the wrong skin color. At least that's all that matters to the social media mob, to the media, uh, to the biggest corporations in the country, to the justice system in so many cases. We see it again and again in too many incidents to mention. And they're not worried that Shannon Phillips won $25 million. They think her case is the exception that proves the rule, which is that there are no consequences for lying in the most base and unethical ways possible. What's hopeful, what suggests that they might be very mistaken, is that these sacrificial lambs aren't just going into hiding anymore. Darren Wilson had to disappear nearly a decade ago. That's how powerful the mob was. People like Daniel Penny, they're not hiding. He's going in front of cameras, telling everyone what really happened, even in Alvin Bragg's New York. You know, of all places, he's doing that. Right now, this is not the norm. But if Daniel Penny wins, as Shannon Phillips did, uh, that could change in a hurry. Once the race hucksters and the outrage merchants know that their targets aren't going to simply back down and that people will remember what happened to them, then those people start to lose their power. And obviously, that can't happen soon enough. But in the meantime, those race hucksters and outrage merchants are, of course, today Canceled. That'll do it for the show today and for the week. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. Talk to you on Monday. Have a great weekend. Godspeed.